Okay. All right. I'm going to read the Bible reading. Uh, John chapter 15, <coughs> verses 1 through to 17. Jesus is the true vine. I'm the true vine, and my Father is the vine grower. He removes every branch in me that bears no fruit. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes to make it bear more fruit. You have already been cleansed by the word that I've spoken to you. Abide in me, and I abide in you. Just as the branch cannot, cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit, because apart from me you can do nothing. Whoever does not abide in me is thrown away like a branch and withers. Such branches are gathered thrown into the fire and burned if you abide in me and my words abide in you ask for whatever you wish and it will be done for you my father is glorified by this that you bear much fruit and become my disciples as the father has loved me so I have loved you abide in my love if you keep my commandments you will abide in my love just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. I have said these things to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. I do not call you servants any longer because... The servant does not know what the master is doing. But I have called you friends because I have made known to you everything that I have heard from my father. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Martin. Please pray with me now. Lord, we thank you for your word and that we can come freely to it and read from it and study it together. We pray that this morning you would allow us to learn from this and be impacted by your word, that your gospel would grow in us and that we might know how to follow you more closely and be closely abiding in you, Lord God. I ask that you would help me in my preaching this morning. Amen. This is a, a beautiful passage and I'm going to try and uh, bring out some of the best parts of this and the parts that will enable us to walk in our faith uh, closely. But I would encourage you to take it home as well and take some time to read it because there's a lot about this as a kind of a poetry. Uh, there's a lot of beautiful phrases in there about abiding and bearing fruit Abiding in love, the uh, significance of Jesus' commandments and his word to us, these, and the way they're expressed, the way they roll from one expression to another, is a form that's not necessarily best dissected and spoken about in pieces, but sometimes it's best to read and let, it just dwell on, let ourselves dwell on it. So I encourage you to do that with this passage after today. When Jesus starts this uh, passage by stating that he is the vine, he's making an allusion to an image that is uh, commonly used in the Old Testament, that is the vine or the vineyard, 
as Israel. Unfortunately, by necessity, many of the Old Testament references to Israel as the vine or the vineyard were sometimes in the context of Israel's failure to following God's ways. And that was the tragedy of, of some of that history. So Jesus comes into history, into reality, into the world, declaring himself to be the new, the true vine, the source of life, source of our, our source of life in God, which is what Israel was intended to be for the world, but in many ways failed, even though God worked great things through them. But now Jesus has come and he's offering to be the true and new Israel. He invites us to abide as to to abide in him, to abide in the vine. And I see this as really an invitation to live the gospel. It's not an additional part of the gospel, it's not just a, a topic he's addressing at the side. He is inviting us to be connected to him, which is the very the very reality of the gospel which he came to proclaim as well, because he was the realisation of that good news, that he brought the way for us to be united again with the Father through him. So the image of us being able to be in living connection with Jesus and living connection with God is really an embodiment as a realisation of that gospel message. How do we abide in Jesus? There's one answer in this passage, and that is, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Later he specifies a commandment. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. And this is such a famous verse because it's one of the key, key commands, the key directions that Jesus gives us as how we are to walk in his ways, how we are to follow him. There are also practical ways we can look at abiding in God, in abiding in Jesus. It's been touched on a lot recently. Uh, most of January we, we studied how to set aside a quiet time, a space in your life in which to just spend time with God. And I, I believe that's very relevant to this passage that if we're truly to abide in Jesus, that, that sense of living in him, we need to create space in our life where we spend time with him. It's a relationship. Uh, Jesus modelled it for us by deliberately taking time out to go places and spend time with his father. And in this passage in inviting us to abide in him, I think relates to us, uh, encourages us to draw, draw aside, take time, to spend time in the presence of God. I think maintaining fellowship is very important to abiding in Jesus as well. He didn't make us just to be in a direct relationship with him, with him, but he wants us to be in relationship with each other in the love that he enables us to, to bring to our relationship with each other. So the early church was very uh, deliberate in gathering together and uh, Paul's letters often encourage the church to not um, miss that opportunity to gather together and therefore be an opportunity to minister love. 
The other obvious way I believe for us to abide in him is to abide in his word. There's an opportunity for us to hear from God, to be taught from him uh, and to learn from him by by reading and meditating on his word. There's an uncomfortable expression in here about being pruned. Makes us wonder what's going to happen when God chooses to prune us. It's important to remember when we hear expressions like being pruned by God that he is a loving gardener and as this uh, passage um, makes clear to us, his purpose is pruning us so that we will bring forth more fruit. There's a play on words in here that uh, Jesus talks about the, the gardener or the vine dresser or the vine, vine grower pruning the vines so that they will grow better fruit. And then he says, you, to his disciples, you have already been cleansed by the word I have spoken to you. And the word for pruned and the word for cleansed are very similar words. So he is connecting those two expressions there. So one of the means by which we are pruned is the teaching that Jesus gives, the teaching that we find in his word. And I also believe by the teaching that we receive directly from the Holy Spirit. But in the context where Jesus is talking to his disciples, there's a real sense that they have already been pruned and that they are made made clean. Uh, N.T. Wright, I think, expresses it well in his commentary on this. He says, Jesus has spoken the word to them, calling them to take up their crosses and follow him. They have had to submit to the pruner's knife, cutting away other goals and ambitions. They've already borne fruit. They must now expect more pruning so that they might bear more fruit. And as we are also disciples of Christ, I think we can expect the same for ourselves. Bearing fruit... As soon as we hear the expression so that you can bear more fruit, I guess the question is, arises, what does he mean by fruit? Uh, there's a couple of places in the Bible that also refer to fruit. Uh, one of them is a very well-known expression by Paul for the fruit of the Spirit. The other is the implication about the fruit of the harvest that Jesus has spoken about in some of his parables. I think it's reasonable to think there's an implication of both of these in this passage. Or at least it's not, it's not inconsistent to consider both the fruit of this passage to be both of those. And we'll have a look at how that applies. And it might be seen that in the beginning of it, he's speaking more about the fruit that he brings, in our, brings out in our character, which we would often identify as the fruit of the Spirit. But at the end, he uses some specific expressions which imply more the fruit of the harvest, of bringing people to relationship with God. One of the best-known passages for the fruit of the Spirit is uh, in Galatians 5, 22 and 23, where Paul writes, But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. There was no law against these things. As we consider this passage about abiding in Jesus and we consider it in the context of our witness going into all the world to make disciples, 
I think it's really valuable to, for us to think about the fact that if we take deliberate intent to abide in Jesus, to rest in God, to be connected to that source of life, that knowing that these fruit will become evident in our life is such an important opportunity for our witness. We're going to learn a number of ways that we can activate our witness in this world and to the people around us. I think it's really important to remember that just by having these characteristics in our life, beyond what we're able to bring about ourselves, is an opportunity for witness to the people around us. When they see our love, when they see us exhibit joy, have a peace, uh, our patience, our kindness, goodness and faithfulness, gentleness and self-control, these are all things that will draw people to the source that we have for those characteristics in our lives. It's important to remember that these are the fruit of the Spirit as well. And the work of Jesus, the work of the Father, the work of the Spirit are not, diff not separate. But the fruit of the Spirit brings about these characteristics in our life. But they are just as consistent with being uh, abiding in the vine and being connected to the, the source of all, all life in Jesus and, and to the Father. As the fruit of the harvest, we have another passage in John which makes clear the image of uh, the harvest or people who can be drawn into restored relationship with God as a fruit. And earlier in John, uh, John 4 and in verses 35 and through to 36, he describes the fields are already ripe for harvest. The harvesters are paid good wages and the fruit they harvest is the people brought to eternal life. I think when we look at the last part of this passage in John 15, 16, Jesus makes a statement which is very parallels very much the um, commissioning of go therefore and make disciples of all nations that we hear in Matthew 28, 19. And what we've been going to be looking at for a while in this series but in this passage in john he states i chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit fruit that remains so fruit or implication that's eternal so i think there's a real um, meeting here of the passage in uh, matthew where he commands us or gives us an imperative to go and share the gospel and here he is pointing out that he's actually chosen us to participate in his work. His work, which is connecting people back into the source of life, which is himself and his father. And he's giving us the opportunity to bear fruit, fruit which has eternal value. So I think it's a, it's a great passage for us to meditate on and consider in parallel with other passages about our role to making disciples. Because in this passage, we get to see that uh, we are connected in relationship with God and we bring others to bring in, be in that connection. So if I was to summarise what we've spoke about this morning, and I think I'm going to be a little short, but that's okay. Um, I've put together a strange little sentence here that abiding in Jesus the vine leads us to produce fruit, which leads to producing fruit. 
So that's that sense of the two ways, the types of fruit that we can identify in this passage. Um, one leads to the other. So I've said it several times now, I would encourage you to take this passage and meditate on it because I think it is a, a beautiful one to give some thought to.